Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. This morning, I'm excited to preach a message entitled, No Coincidence. No Coincidence. And I hope that you have your your note-taking device or your pen ready, because I believe that, you know, when every time we open this book, I might have my message prepared in a certain way, but God might speak to you about something that you need to write down and record. So I encourage you, I won't, you know, look at you and say, oh, look, they're texting while I'm preaching or playing a game on their phone. I'll just assume that everyone who has a phone out is taking notes or looking at your Bible on your phone, perhaps. Uh, But have you ever seen something incredible happen and then someone just passes it off as coincidence? Oh, it's just a coincidence that that happened. You know, oh, the stars aligned. Oh, it's just a coincidence. Uh, A few weeks ago, we talked about Joseph's dream. Uh, he had two dreams, actually, and, at the, and they were at the beginning of his life when he was still fairly young. And then later, those dreams actually came to pass, where his brothers and his family were bowing down before him. Do you remember that? Was it a coincidence? No. What do we attribute all that to? God. It was a God incidence. Or, uh, or how when Ron and Jenny first met, she thought he was arrogant and abrasive. Right? But then three years later, she sees him again, and she perceived him to be her knight in shining armor this time. And then a few months later, they're engaged, and then a year later, they're married. See, Ron and Jenny, they're fictitious people, but this is a scenario that I, I know people, I just changed their names. Um, and this is the, the story. At first, they were like, I don't like you. You're abrasive. And then, you know, a couple of years later, they're getting married. Coincidence? I think not. I think if God is in it, yes. It's no accident, no coincidence. Or how our church, after five years of trying to get Bell to install fiber to our building for a good internet, just so happened to work out that the work was done at the same time that we decided after many years to renovate this building. It just so happened that, was it a coincidence? I, I think not. I, you know, when I, when I send emails now to you, zip. They're, they're gone. If I upload the podcast, it's, it's there. It's fast. And so, uh, no coincidence. And we talked about this, Nunzio and I, when in the middle of all this stuff, we were still apprehensive. Like, is this really going to happen? And, and we both said, well, we'll believe it when we see the truck on site. Sure enough, the trucks came. The work was done. They wired us up. We have a bell bill that comes every month. But guess what? We have fiber internet. It's fast. It's fast. Coincidence? I think not. You see, I submit to you this truth today that God is always on time. He's never late. He doesn't slumber. He's not lazy. But God is always on time. And here's the thing. And he knows how to work at both ends of a situation. God knows how to work at both ends of a situation. And today, this is what we're going to spend our time looking at. In fact, Proverbs 16, verse 4 says this, The Lord, emphasis on Lord, the Lord works out everything to its proper end. The Lord, not me, 
not you, not husband and wife, not guidance counselor at school. The Lord works out everything to its proper end. And so in, we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 10. But just before we get there, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, right? Jesus told the, the believers to wait for the promise of the Father. And when you, when you receive it, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Wait for the power. Wait for the power. And this was the plan. But notice the progression. Jerusalem which was the headquarters, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the Samaritans, Jesus, the disciples, they didn't really minister there, but he was giving them a picture of the future. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, to Toronto, to Quebec, to wherever you might call home in a former life, perhaps, but here we are today, and it's a result of what happens in Acts chapter 10. See, God works at both ends of a situation, and uh, we're going to be looking at two particular characters named Cornelius and Peter, and how through this situation, God works at both ends of their situation. Um, this encounter, by the way, with Cornelius and Peter deals with the decisive issue in the history of the early church in the beginning of Acts. Namely, the recognition that the gospel is for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And so this whole encounter between Peter and Cornelius is important. Cornelius was a Gentile. Again, they didn't associate. They were considered unclean. They ate food that was considered unclean according to the, the Jewish law found in Leviticus 11. And so it wasn't that Peter said, hey, this is a great idea. I'm going to go to the house of a Gentile and uh, let, let's figure this out. No, no, no. That's not how it got started at all. So it wasn't the result of merely a human decision, but God's leading and this is important as we get there. So if you have your Bible, would you stand with me? Turn to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to dive right in this morning. Acts chapter 10, and we'll begin reading right at verse 1. And I'll be reading from the New Living Transition. If you're with me, say amen. All right, let's jump into Acts chapter 10, verse 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as, ever, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received, notice by who? By God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of, one of his personal attendants, and he told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. So that, up to there, that deals with Cornelius. Now we're going to look at what Peter's up to in verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius's messengers were nearing the town, 
Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat them. Verse 14, No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And the same vision was repeated three times. And then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Verse 17, Peter was very perplexed. So did he understand it? No. He was perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house, standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you were looking for. Why have you come? And they said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well respected by all the Jews. And a holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. Okay, that's very important. Verse 23, so Peter invited the men to stay for the night. And the next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to the voice of your spirit. And Father, I also pray that every ear hearing, Father, would receive an impartation from your Holy Spirit. I even would be so bold as to pray just as would happen in the rest of this story, that even as the preaching is taking place, miracles can happen, and Lord, people can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I pray today, God, that you would show yourself strong as the one true God. Lord, I humble myself under your mighty hand, and I ask for your anointing now as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated today. So in Acts chapter 10, in the first eight verses, we kind of get this introduction to Cornelius. Some of you who might be of Italian background, you got a little prideful when I said of the Italian regiment, right? There's no room for pride in church, <laughs> all right? By the way, Italy didn't even qualify for the World Cup. So this summer, if you got nothing to do, let's maybe go grab a coffee or something. Or let's cheer for another team, perhaps. But we, we, we find out in verse 2 that this man, Cornelius, though he's a Gentile, that he is a God-fearing man. Which God? Well, the God of Israel. And he's a God-fearing man, and he's devout. Not only that, but also his whole household, everyone who lived with him. And I want to submit this, and I've heard it said that as goes the husband or the father, so goes the rest of the house or the family. And so if there are any fathers within the sound of my voice, listen, you have a responsibility to lead your wife, your family to Christ. And I remember the words in scriptures, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? So there's a responsibility to lead our family towards Christ. Listen, 
once children are older and they're considered adults, they might have their own response to you. But I'm also reminded, and we have the words on our parenting room, what? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he will not depart from it. Right? So there's a, there will come a point as a, as a father where I have to let go of my children one day and let them, you know, make some of their own decisions. I might disagree with them, but I have to do my part now to raise them up in the way that they should go. And when they're older, I have to trust God, you're not letting go of them. You're taking care of them. That's why we dedicate children so that when they're older and they're making their own decisions, they will remember. That's why I sign in pen that certificate because one day they might just happen to look at it and all these memories of church might flood, flood back if they're not still in the church. So Cornelius, what we know of him is his whole household is God-fearing and they're devout even though they're considered Gentiles and they're not part of God's chosen people, Israel, at this point. And you see, Jesus and his ministry started in Jerusalem, and, and it, it, it was slowly spreading. We saw that he had an encounter with the, the Samaritan woman, but the ministry had not really expanded. They had not heard this good news about Jesus, about his death, burial, and resurrection. Yet, somehow, Cornelius' heart was tuned to the things of God. And what does it say in Scripture? That he was a God-fearing man, he was devout, his whole household served, but what? That he was a man of prayer as well, and he would pray. Not only that, but he would also give to the poor. And so there's a special thing that God starts. Remember, God always works at both ends of a situation. And so we have three things to note now about this angelic vision that Cornelius has. Number one, all of this is set in motion not by Cornelius, but by an angelic vision. So God is the one who initiates this whole thing with Cornelius when the angel shows up, number one. Fact number two, the angel addresses him by name. Remember, he says, Cornelius. And then three, Cornelius' look of terror is actually a natural reaction that we see reoccurring in Scripture anytime someone has this angelic vision or encounter. They're humbled, they're afraid, they're terrified. And usually the angel has to say, do not be afraid, the Lord says, right? And so then the angel gives him some instruction. But it's important to not overlook these facts. Why? Because it shows us that God is the one who is starting something. He's working on, on this side with Cornelius. And we already read it, but we're going to look a little more later how he starts it with Peter. And then the two connect. So through scripture, we know that angels and the ministry of angels is a very real ministry. There, it's not just, oh, we hear, uh, when I was in Bible school just outside of Boston, there was a particular Brazilian church that was known for seeing angels. Angels were everywhere during worship. Angels were here. And I had some friends go, and, and they said, I've never seen an angel before, but I saw something um, when I went there. I've never seen an angel with wings before, but I remember there was one instance in Bible school where it was winter, we were driving to a church, it was one of my teacher's churches, and I was supposed to play drums at the service, it was a winter storm Saturday night, but we said we're still coming, and we ended up in the ditch, and like we were in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, and out of nowhere, within like 10 seconds it felt like, there was a tow truck that came up. He had a wench tied it to the undermount of the car, pulled us out, 
like literally by the time we were able to be grateful and thank him, he was like back and gone. And we said, did that just really happen? And where did this guy come from? And where did he go? Like out of nowhere. And that was it. So we made it to the church and I played drums. And we said, maybe that was an angel. And the Bible says, you know, that we might be entertaining angels all around and we just might not be aware of it. And, and we're not here to create a doctrine of angel worship or anything like that. But we cannot discount the ministry of angels. And I don't know how it might happen, but I know that if it happens, it's because God wants it to happen. Not because I make it up or I will it to happen. So the ministry of angels. Um, and also, as much as there is the ministry of angels, we ought to not look for angels under every bush. And say, oh, I had an angelic visitation. The angel of the Lord gave me today's sermon. I, I, unless he does, I won't say that. Um, and visions. Uh, Cornelius and Peter both have visions. And so visions are simply this. Visions are God-ordained. Remember, I said take notes or take a picture of the screen when all the points are up. Visions are God-ordained. Visions are for a divine purpose. Visions are Christ-honoring. And, and then fourthly, visions are sometimes to warn us. So sometimes you'll have a vision to warn you, be careful. Or remember, Paul, don't go into Macedonia yet. You know, the, there are those kinds of things. But they are always from God. So that's the difference. I can't make it up and say, I had a vision, and let me share it with you. Well, the, if, if these requirements are not there, then you can question, was the vision from God? And so in verse 4, the angel tells him, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. And I just want to comment for a moment that we took up offering before. And though you may maybe wrote a check and you write Weston Road Pentecostal Church, it's counted by volunteers here at the church. It's deposited into the bank account that says Weston Road. But I want you to know that when every time we give, that we give to the local church as the expression of God, but it is actually received by God as his offering. This is his view on our tithes and offerings, that he takes it personally, our attitude about giving. Did you know that? And as Cornelius is giving money to the poor, the angel is telling him, now God has taken notice. God notices every time you go to pray. And by the way, this happened at around 3 o'clock, at around the hour of prayer where Cornelius was praying. So there's something happens when we get in God's presence. God has an ability to speak to us clearly. And God takes it personally and he takes notice. Our, our attitude about prayer and also our attitude about giving. And he takes it personally. You give to, to the church, but you give to God. Remember, everything you've done to the least of these, God says you've done it unto me. And so... I'm sure for Cornelius, this news now is a bit more reassuring. Remember, he, he was terrified when the angel said, Cornelius, right? But, but now he, has, he receives a bit more reassurance. He's like, no, 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 your gifts uh, and your, your prayers have been received by God. Don't worry. He's pleased with that. And then he says, now send some men. Send some men. Because there's a man named Simon Peter who's at the house of Simon the Tanner. And you ought to send, send for him. 
And so this is what Cornelius received as an instruction. So what did Cornelius do? He obeyed. He did it. It may have not made any sense. He would have said, how would I really be sure? God has his way of reaffirming and and confirming himself in your life, right? When the angel already made the connection that God knows you and knows your gifts to the poor and knows your prayer life, then it all made sense. He's like, well, of course, no one would know that but God. So now I will obey and I will go and send some men. What's amazing is God is very specific in the instruction. He didn't just say, you know, kind of walk around the town, see if you can shout out some guy's name. No, God gave him basically his address. He said, this is the street. This is the the house number. This is the house owner's name. And there is going to be Simon Peter. Very specific instruction. And what are we saying today? Remember, God always works at both ends of the situation. So this is Cornelius. We kind of understand where things are at with him. And now we get to Peter. We get to Peter. Because at the same time that God was getting Cornelius ready, God now is getting Peter ready. And if God spoke to Cornelius in a specific way, God also has to prepare Simon Peter to be able to say, yes, I'm going to go. We all agree with that? It, for Peter, oh, no. I'm, what do you mean I'm not going to come with you strangers to a, a Gentile house? It makes no sense. And so what happens is that Peter is up on the roof, and guess what? It's noontime. Uh, he's waiting for the meal to be ready, and he prays. So in this atmosphere of prayer, he was in a condition to receive a divine message. And I want to submit this to you. If you don't have a prayer life, it will be hard to hear from heaven. God wants to speak, but you remember the old radios? And it had like the needle that would go across from left to right. I remember listening to hockey games when I was a kid. And like the Montreal Canadiens are skating from left to right on your dial. And I was like laying in my bed trying to fall asleep, but I was too interested in the game, and I would envision left to right from the dial. Well, now with iPhones and and digital radios, we don't think like that anymore. But just envision God speaking on a certain frequency or a channel. Follow me for a second, right? But because I'm not spending time in prayer, uh, I'm, I'm having a little trouble finding where that station is. And you hear all the, and then your ears finally land on something. And you're like, well, it's taken, so I'm just going to listen to whatever this is. And it's weird, so then you flip around again, or it's like, I don't like that song. And you find something that is pleasing to you. Meanwhile, we say, where's God? Why has he stopped speaking? And God's saying, you're not tuned to the right channel. I'm still speaking. The show is still going on. You're just on the wrong radio station. Prayer puts you on the right radio station, where you can, oh, where there was maybe some static or or noise, now I hear it better and clear. You know, sometimes you just need a better vantage point, if on the AM dial especially, it's like when I get too far, 680 news starts to sound really weird, so when I'm in the farm country land, so I come back a bit, it's like, oh, there we go, now it's much better. And with God, sometimes we get one foot in the world too far, we have trouble hearing, we, we kind of still hear him calling, but now it's just, uh, you know, and, and you keep trying to fiddle with it. It's your, your foot. You need to get it back closer to God's range. 
where you can hear him again without the other noise of the world. You follow with me? So Peter, he's waiting for the meal to be prepared. He's on the roof, and, he, and he's praying. You know, take the most of your opportunity. You might say, at home, the kids are all over the place. It's loud. I'm, I get tired at night. It's hard to pray. Hey, it was Peter's lunch hour. Maybe you could use a lunch hour and just get away. Go in your car. If, if work is too busy, there's no quiet spot, sit in your car and, and just say, Lord, I'm tuning my station to yours, this radio frequency. Let, let's go. And guess what? In this moment of prayer, now Peter hears from heaven as well. He has his vision. The New Living Translation says he fell into a trance. Some scholars debate because he was hungry, it was noontime, he was on the roof, it was likely hot at that time of day, that, oh, that's why he kind of wandered off into a trance. It doesn't matter how that happened, if that's true or not. What I do know is, but he was praying. And what I do know is he definitely had a vision and God spoke through him spoke to him through it. And so let's just take a look at that for a second. Uh, again, prayer places you in a position to hear from heaven. Um, he has this dream, and the dream is this. Take up and eat. Take up and eat. The contents of the sheet were animals that would be unclean and therefore unfit for eating in terms of the Jewish law, like we said, found in Leviticus 11. I encourage you, go home, make a note, read Leviticus 11, and you'll see how specific and important it was for them to follow that. And so that's why at first Peter has resistance and he's saying, I, no, I can't do it. But then it happens again. And, and what does the, the voice tell him? The voice tells him in verse 15, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. It's important for us, we understand, maybe we'll understand in a bit more, why this has a double entendre or a double meaning. But to Peter, this was strictly talking about food, going to a Gentile house and eating this kind of food. So he has this dream, and it happens three times till he uh, kind of hears it three times, but the sheet disappears, and it goes back up to heaven. And you see, Peter is prejudiced. Uh, th this is non-kosher food. I, I, I'm not going to do this. But the vision has a greater significance than the immediate. The vision has a greater significance than the immediate. You see, verse 17 tells us, number one, Peter's puzzled. Peter is puzzled. He's not getting what's going on. But the Holy Spirit in verse 19 brings him reassurance. Three men have come looking for you. Again, specific. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. So the Holy Spirit comes now and does his work. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Now can you see it? God is working at both ends of a situation. He's prepared Cornelius. All the while, he's prepared now Peter. And the men come. Uh, and the Bible says this. I just want to get to uh, verses 24 to 33. Peter and Cornelius meet. He goes with them. He gets to the house did you know what Cornelius' first response was? He like gets down and bows before Peter. I love Peter's response. He says, get up, man. Like, why are you bowing before me as if I'm God? He's like, stand up to your feet. Cornelius was, was desperate to meet God and to know God in his fullness, the God of the Jews. 
He was a Gentile, and, and he recognized this is out of a, somehow God took notice of my prayers and my gifts to the poor. He sent this man. So he tells Peter, he's like, Peter, now that you're finally here, my whole house is here. We're all waiting. He must have rallied the troops. He's like, this is it, family. Come on. Let's gather around. He's like, now, Peter, share with us this message that God has given you. Meanwhile, when Peter is first stepping foot in his house, he's saying, so why am I here again? <laughs> why am I here, guys? Like, I know I'm supposed to come, but so Cornelius, what's the deal? So Cornelius had to explain all that to him. And here's the beautiful part that he starts, he starts preaching because they didn't know Jesus necessarily in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so what happens is Peter starts to preach the gospel. And I want you to know this. The method might change throughout the last 2,000 years, but the message of the gospel does not change. It's still all about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, that we have life through that, the power of the cross. And so you see what happens is that as Peter is preaching now, right, he's just like, give us the message that you have. As Peter is preaching, they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what I said? The Gentiles. And Peter brought six witnesses with him because this was like, whoa, what's going on? Why are you going to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile? So he would have had six witnesses present with him to witness what happened. And as he's preaching, just like I'm speaking now, they are all baptized in the Holy Spirit, begin speaking in, in unknown tongues. And they, they stop and look at themselves and they say, I thought this was just for us. But it's clearly for them too. I want to just read one more scripture with you. In verse 34, here's what Peter says as a response to now what he's seeing with his own eyes and hearing with his own ears. As he shared the good, the good news, here's in verse 34 of Acts 10. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. And he preaches on the death, burial, and resurrection. He says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. I want to share with you why this is very important for us to grasp. You see, when Peter has the vision, he only sees it for what it is. Why am, Lord, why are you telling me to eat unclean food now? And he's just looking at it as a, as a, a meal perspective. Food. Unclean, clean. But here's what God actually was wanting to reveal to Peter. Peter, you have called, not just you, but Gentiles have been unclean. Be, largely because of the food that they eat. They are considered unclean. He's like, today, everything changes. From this point forward my gospel the message of Jesus is is traveling to the ends of the earth and friend you're here today and you are a recipient of what happened in Acts chapter 10 we exist today because of the church of Acts did you know that do you see the connection maybe not but we're a Pentecostal church 
Not just because it says Weston Road Pentecostal Church. Quite frankly, we could change our name. And if the word Pentecostal is not there, guess what? It does not change if we are a Pentecostal church or not. You know why? Because it's through our life and through the practice that we are actually Pentecostals. Through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You could call me Jonathan. You could call me John. You could call me Steve. It doesn't change who I am. I might respond to all three out of kindness, but it doesn't change who I am. So we are a Pentecostal church. We can only be called a Pentecostal church because of what happened in Acts chapter 10. Do you see it? I'm trying to connect the dots for you today. It was not about Cornelius. It started with Cornelius so that it can reach the uttermost parts of the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ has to be proclaimed so that everyone has an opportunity to respond. And we have to be faithful to preach the word. And you might say, well, I'm not the pastor. That's your job, and I just get to pray for you. No, we are all ministers of the gospel, of the new covenant. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is not just the power that I have, but it's the same power that you have, that you can be an effective witness or else what's the point of the baptism? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us clearly why. It's to be a bold witness. And that is why we have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet with me this morning. And I don't know where you're at in your pursuit of God. But I look at Cornelius, who, who was hungry. His house was hungry for the things of God. And what happened? God showed up. Cornelius was devout. He was a man of prayer. God was doing something. And what happened? His whole family was filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost. My question to you today is, how desperately do you want God? Notice I didn't say how desperately do you want the things of God? How desperately do you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I didn't even ask that, although I'm willing to pray. What the primary focus of every person in this room has to be is this. God, I want you. God, I want you. God, I want you. God, I want you more than the blessing, more than a paid off car, more than even my physical healing. God, if I can just have you, everything you are is mine. Healing, power, anointing, everything flows from his hand. But we don't chase his hand, we chase his heart. And so today, Let's remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. You might be financially broke and say, well, pastor, I need money, not God. No, you need God. Once you get that priority straight, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything shall be added unto you. When I read that verse, Matthew 6, I don't find any conditions tied to everything. But what I do understand that scripture to say and the most important part is the priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is right living, 
and all these things, what, what are they? Anything that you would need shall be added unto you. Listen, some of you are here and you're maybe saying, Pastor, it's past 12. You need to wrap it up because I got to go. Listen, more than wherever you're going, you need Jesus. More than wherever you need to be busy going to and people might be waiting, you need Jesus. And I personally believe what the Word of God says. I can't, I can't know if you believe it, but I personally believe it. God knows how to work at both ends of the situation. But my question is, are you willing to do the time in His presence to allow Him to do the work He wants to do in your life? And here's how we're going to end. I'm opening up these altars for whosoever wants. And I'm willing to stay here and to pray for as long as it takes. But I can't force anyone. So we're going to close in prayer. But the invitation is here. So here's what I'm going to ask. If you must go after we pray, just and you want to chat or catch up with someone, do it outside the doors of our sanctuary. Do it in our big foyer. That's why we made it big, so you can spend time there. But what we're going to do in here, and you might want to stay at your seat because this is just your time with him. You want to come to the front. But we're going to spend time chasing after his heart. God, I want to know your heart. God, I want to know your heart. Lord, it's in your presence that I get everything I need for life. And my personal belief is that as you begin to make this your priority, maybe God's not going to give you an angelic vision but maybe you're going to start to hear his voice a little more instead of the ticking of a watch reminding you church should be done by now. Maybe you're going to start hearing his voice a little clearer. Maybe he's going to speak a little louder for you and confirm things maybe that you've been waiting. But God's saying, I've been saying it all along. You just haven't been listening. And so today, this is your opportunity for whosoever wants. Take as much time as you need. And this is our time to meet with God. And just maybe, Peter, for him, it was, it was noontime where he was on the roof. The meal was being prepared, but he was praying. And God showed up in a mighty way, in such a way that would affect our lives today. That the gospel would, would start from that moment on, reaching the uttermost parts of the earth, all the way to Toronto. We are blessed today to have the word. But now we have to practice what we learn. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer. If you have a specific need, I know we prayed a lot today, but if you have a specific need and, and you're believing God for breakthrough, I'm going to wait here and you come. Tell me your need. Before God, we're going to agree in prayer together. And I believe that our prayer has the ability to change things. And that's what we're going to do today. Amen. Father, I thank you today. Lord, you're so good. God, you are so good. Lord, I, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed by the thought that even as Peter was preaching the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, Lord, people were filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking in tongues. God, sometimes we try to make it too much into a formula, but Lord, I just simply today release you and your, your Holy Spirit to minister freely among your people today, God, however you want to. Father, I pray that our ears, our spiritual ears would be tuned to yours. 
that we would hear, God, loud and clear, without any noise, without any distortion. We would hear what your Spirit is saying to us. And Lord, if there's anyone here who is kind of at one end of a situation wondering if you're at work, if you're doing anything, Lord, let us be reminded today that what you were saying to Cornelius, you were preparing Peter for. And what you were saying to Peter, you were preparing Cornelius for. And so God, may we never doubt the fact that you move, the fact that you are at work, but God, give us faith to see and give us patience to understand that you are always on time. Lord, I thank you and I ask you all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us as we go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you leave, go. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.